Welcome to Kingdom.Think. Today is Numbers 5-6, Psalms 63, and Luke 19. So here we are in still the book of Numbers, which what, what are we talking about? Numbers, right? Because God is a God of order. Now, remember when you're when we're reading through the Bible with Kingdom.Think, it's not about does this appeal to me? Does this entertain me? Does this um, inspire me? Am I motivated? That's not why we're reading the Bible. We're reading the Bible because little by little we're feeding our soul so that our spirit can wake up and see revelations that you'll just be able to put things together that'll just blow your mind. Like you'll read something so simple from a simple book like the book of Numbers that you'll be out in your day-to-day walk and it'll make such an incredible correlation and it'll speak to you in that way. That's why we take small pieces of reading the word every day forever. Okay, so here we are in chapter five. Now here the Lord is telling Moses to tell the Israelites how to purify the camp, okay, and how to deal with certain wrong happenings, how to deal with certain issues. And um, let's see, on verse five, he's talking about basically how to have restitution for wrongs that that people do. Okay. But here's the part that always stumbles everybody. The test of the unfaithful wife. Well, wait a minute. How come there's... So So God told Moses how to test if a wife, if a husband assumes that a wife has been unfaithful. This is what you do. Well, wait a minute. Where's the test for the unfaithful husband, you might be asking? Because of course, why wouldn't you ask that? Why does it seem like the woman is in trouble? But here's the thing. Again, we always have to remember these people come from old Egyptian culture. um, So their ways are very, very, very different. And he's trying to teach a new people. So if he does it this way, if the husband is jealous or he assumes that the wife is, um, has been unfaithful by having to go in front of the law, it protects the woman before the man can do anything. Let me explain. If a man is unfaithful, his wife comes home from the grocery store, he can just take his anger out on her and hurt her. But because of this law, he has to pause, stop. There's a plan on how to deal with this. And then they have to go in front of the um, the Levites or the priests and go through this process. So in a way, this law protects the woman from... Uh, rage or his wrath, the husband's just craziness, okay? So if you look at it from that angle, oh, okay. Um, Because if she's innocent, she's innocent. But at least this stops the man from doing anything crazy. Okay, so moving on to chapter six. Chapter six talks about a Nazarite. And as I was reading this, I was like, okay, well, what's a Nazarite? Isn't that just a group of people? Is it like, here's the Israelites and here's the Nazarites? That's what I thought all along. So I, I was like, what's a Nazarite? And when I looked it up, it says, Nazarite is a dedicated one or one who is set apart. A Nazarite was an individual, male or female, who made an extraordinary vow of commitment to God. Those who took a Nazarite vow participated in all aspects of family life except caring for the burial of a dead relative. The Mishnah, the Jewish digest of oral law, 
mentions the typical vow as 30 days. Though longer periods were not uncommon, some people, such as Samson, even took the vow for a lifetime. A Nazarite. So there's this group of people that I often visit when I'm in San Diego, in Carlsbad, um, and they're called the 12 tribes, and they take a vow for life. I don't know if it comes from here, but they take a vow vow for life to live a certain way amongst the community, and they follow biblical law. Maybe, because this is the first time I read about it. Okay, so this is the Nazarite, and it goes into detail of how you become a Nazarite. Super interesting. So then uh, moving down to verse 22, the Lord says to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons how to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Wait a second. So when the Lord has his face toward you, you will be in peace. This is really key because as the Israelites become a community and as they go in and out of their sinful ways, God turns away from them. And you will read about that later on, but he'll turn his face away from them and then terrible things will happen. Their life will be miserable and then they'll cry out to God and then he will turn back and look at them because he'll always he'll always answer them when they call. Okay, so the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So just remember that as we move on into the next books of the Bible, um, you'll totally be able to recognize that. So they put my name on is- on the Israelites. So they So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Okay, so that's what God's saying. And that, my friends, is chapter... Six. So that's numbers five and six. Alrighty, moving on to Psalms 63, which I will read because it's not very long. It goes like this. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with richest of foods, will with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become foods for jackals. But the kings will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glorify him while the mouths of liars will be silenced." Well, that's a totally different attitude than anguish, anguish, anguish. I'm miserable. My people are chasing me. Um, Why have you forsaken me? This is definitely a different attitude. I love this. I love that his attitude is, I love the flavor of Psalms is shifting. So that's cool. Um, Moving on to Luke 19 for today's reading is the story of Zacchaeus when he's up in the tree because he wants to see Jesus. He is the chief tax collector. He's not just the tax collector. He's the chief tax collector. Jesus sees him up in the tree. Zacchaeus, come down from there where I'm going to your house tonight. We're going to have dinner. And of course, people are whispering, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's going to a tax collector's house. Oh, this is terrible. And Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. 
Love it. I love how Jesus loves to make a statement. He doesn't do things discreetly. He makes his statement known. Okay, so then we go into the parable of the ten minas. Um, So they were listening. Jesus goes into a parable about the people. Let's see. Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Oh, he said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. So he called 10 of his servants. Okay, this is where he called 10 servants and he gave one servant. What? How much did he give him? Um, basically, he gave him 10. He gave the other one like five and the other one one. The one with 10 went and invested it, used it wisely, took risks, um, thought about his master and wanted to multiply and he did that. And then the one with five, he also did the same thing. He multiplied. But the one with one was fearful and took his talent. So it's called a talent. So he took his talent and he hid it and waited for the master to come back. The master comes back, says, oh, he goes to the guy with the 10. He says, look at you. Good job. I'm so proud of you. And then the, the second one who had five, he took and said, great job. That's super cool. But then the one who had one says, oh, I hid my talent. Here it is. And he dug it up or whatever. And the story goes that, or the parable goes, that the master was not pleased, said, I've given you a talent. And instead of using it to multiply or to bless others or to bless my kingdom, you have hid it out of fear, out of shame, out of, well, fear, really. Or just not willing to take a risk. I don't know. But the point is, and the meaning of the story is that God has given us all talents. He has given us intellectual skills. He's given us time, experience, spiritual gifts, material possessions. We've been given so many different gifts. But we take them for granted. Or we just disregard them. And we either throw them out in the dirt. Or we don't want to brag or we don't want to speak up because we're afraid and we hide our talents and we don't grow the kingdom. And that's what we're here to do on this earth is to grow the kingdom, be fruitful and multiply, not just multiply um, with just reproducing children, but multiply in growing the kingdom, in making good on this earth and using your talents. So that's the point of that story. Um, moving down, Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. This is where he says, hey, go in the town. There's going to be a colt, a donkey. Bring it here. And if someone says, why are you untying it? Well, just say, because my master. Something like that. Uh, the Lord needs it. So they brought it to Jesus and they prepare to go into the town. When he came near the place where the road goes down to Mount Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles that had been seen. The crowd, a whole crowd of disciples. Hmm. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Wow. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known this day would come would bring you peace but now it is hidden from your eyes the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in every side (laughs) they will dash you to the ground you and your children within your walls okay so what i find very interesting at this point is they're celebrating 
the people, the crowd, are celebrating Jesus coming in to the land. The Pharisees think it's terrible. Jesus is burdened by, um, first of all, that they think it's terrible, that they can't see what they are supposed to see because they're so blinded. And um, just recently, somebody, an influencer, was about a year ago, uh, found Jesus, found God, found the Bible, was inspired basically because his child was struggling and then the child found God and that helped the, the child. So the the father was so impressed and he went and he also um, started reading the Bible and got inspired, but he spoke so loud about it. You know, he posted on social media, he spoke on stages and he did things very large and quickly. And it goes back to the seeds that were planted along the side of the road we've read before, where Jesus said seeds were planted and those that don't have roots, easily the wind goes by, life goes by and the seed just blown away. Well, um, that's what happened to this man. So now he's just coming out speaking horrible against the Bible, about Christians, about God, because his roots were not deep. His seeds just blew in the wind. And that's what's going to happen with these people who are praising God as he's going in to the town. They're worshiping him and praising him and shouting all these great things. But he's also, but Jesus can see their heart and he can see what's going to happen. And he's burdened by that. Um, And that happens in real life. And I guess the point of my story is it happens in real life. That people's roots in the word are not strong. And I believe it's because we are not reading the Bible from beginning to end. We're not taking it as a whole. We're reading the Bible in bits and pieces as if it's a an affirmation or a motivational book. And it's not that at all. It's a living, breathing um, text that will has a spirit in it that will come up and speak to your spirit. But if your eyes are shut, which is right here where, where Jesus is burdened by their eyes being um, hidden, the, the, the stuff is hidden from their eyes and they don't have peace. It's because it, they were came in for a quick response. They were just in the excitement of Jesus coming into the town. So that is interesting because I always thought it was strange. Why one day where they're praising him and then the next day they want to kill him? How did that happen? Because seeds are planted on rocky soil. Okay, Jesus at the temple. When Jesus entered the temple, he saw them selling stuff and he said, no, 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 no. Actually, he got upset and turned over the tables, right? Um, He said, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made a den of robbers. (laughs) he's so good okay every day he's teaching in the temple um oh yes but the chief priests do not like it they are very upset so there you have it that was numbers 5 6 psalm 63 luke 19 and i hope that you can see how things really do affect um the old testament like how are we to understand the passover if we didn't read it in numbers the book of numbers how if we didn't understand specifications specifications of things um but now those roots are planted so when we see it here in the new testament where it seems to happen a lot quicker we already have depth our roots are being planted so there you go there you go that is numbers five and six psalm 63 and luke 19 make it a great day